hey, artificial intelligence, yeah, it's all the rage. But in the small business arena, here's a mistake that you are probably making that is going to affect your ability to implement correctly and get the results that you're looking for. Coming right up. Welcome to the dark side of AI. Hey, welcome to Wolf's Watch. I'm Wolf, and today we are watching mistakes that companies are making when implementing, well, not companies. Let's be honest. Companies are people, right? Groups of people, teams of people. And as leader of your company, it's a mistake you might be making. Certainly some of your colleagues are making in other companies that has an impact on being able to successfully implement artificial intelligence tools to get the result that you're looking for. And I want you to stick with me here, by the way, as you can see in the banner, the registration is open for the AI executive summary that we're doing. This is going to be limited to small group of 12. It's by invitation only need to apply. And the reason we're doing that is there's going to be multiple sessions, right? So bear that in mind. Just the reason we're limiting it to 12 is because we don't want to have your competitor there with you, right? So we've got two two CEOs that are competing directly with each other. Can't have really a fair and open conversation. So we want to screen for that and make sure there's very much a peer-to-peer -peer conversation for the Q&A and to keep it in a very crisp, in-depth, 45-minute conversation, not just a lecture. And this will be an executive overview from the uh, AI, uh, AI for CEOs Summit. And see, I'm getting excited and tripping over my tongue again. Now, back to the mistake that you may be making that is affecting your ability to implement artificial intelligence tools. And it comes down to this, how you are preparing to measure return on investment or not preparing to measure. It seems like a pretty straightforward calculation, right? As a CEO, as a leader in business, you've done this many times. Haven't you? You should have, right? You've, let, you've been through different changes, especially during the great lockdown of 2020. How many times did you have to pivot? How sharp did you have to make that pencil in order to keep the doors open? All right, exactly. Here is the challenge with AI ROIs. Correctly defining the measurements that you're making. So first is being sure that you are measuring improvement above a baseline. What are you currently doing? And is it accurately built up as a cost? For example, on productivity. Do you have a good, if it's a productivity improvement, do you have a good productivity baseline in your company in order to be able to measure against? Because if that doesn't match what you're measuring when you implement the artificial intelligence tools, you're going to end up with an apples and oranges scenario and not be able to see the benefit or perhaps misstate it, overstate, understate, right? You have to be careful with that. And I bring this up because I've seen it too many times in, with companies making other changes other change initiatives or they don't have the baseline set, right? They don't have their productivity measure using that as an example, calculated correctly. For example, in, uh, in my book, perform or perish with that company, there was a, was a challenge with the productivity measures because it was how, you know, it wasn't just strictly how long does it take to build the product? We're looking at 
need to break that down by a per unit basis. How many people do we need? So it's a more complicated calculation than it appeared on the surface. We need to put some thought into it to make sure we captured that correctly and had a correct, solid, verified baseline before implementing changes. And this is a general principle. It still has a big impact on AI implementation because it's a common stumbling block common mistake for any kind of change implementation, whether it's a new software system, whether it's a new piece of production hardware. This is a common error that's made. The, the, the metric that you're starting out with, the measurement that you're using as your baseline needs to be solid, needs to be verified. Too many times you get into what you're doing, you find out, you know what, that really didn't reflect what your starting point was. So you have no idea where you're ending up. You need to be able to start here, measure to there. Whatever your gap is, there's your improvement. Looks simple. Sometimes it's not. So you need to watch out for that. Make sure your baseline is solid. Second thing is, what was your original objective to begin with? Now, this is the correct measurement selection. Now, notice this, again, has nothing to do with the specific AI tool. This is a general principle that is part of the 70% failure rate that McKinsey & Company reports for businesses implementing changes to improve business processes, to make other improvements, make just the, the issue of leading change in businesses. McKinsey and Company reports 70% failure. Blanchard and Company has for 15 plus years been reporting 70% 70, 70 failure rate. Going back to 1993, the original study that was done by the gentleman that wrote um, the book Benchmarking, uh, Shompy, and I forget the last, the other gentleman's name, Anyway, 1993 is where this statistic was first released as part of a research study. It hasn't changed since then, all right? 30 years we've been dealing with this. So this is still a common failure point that will affect your ability to implement artificial intelligence tools. Is, are you, are you correctly, are you actually measuring what you think you're measuring, right? So first we're talking about is the baseline right? Here's a big, and this is really a more fundamental issue. Is it even the correct baseline? Too many times, what's convenient is what gets measured. Then when you implement a business improvement, it's all vapor. I got another word for it, but this is, we'll keep it family friendly. It, it, it's all, No, let's not. Let's call it what it is. It's bullshit. It's a fake metric. It's measuring what is convenient So because take uh, change over time. Going back to my book, Performer Parish, we're going to talk about how did, how did we make things uh, quicker on change over time. Being able to define what that meant correctly made all the difference in the world. So what that means in manufacturing world is from the last good piece that a machine, to simplify it, that a machine produced until when you change it to a new, you're, when you're going to start making a different part, a different piece, cut a different piece of metal, last good piece to next good, the first good piece on the next production run. That length of time. Too often that wasn't the measure that was for a long time. That was not the standard. Seems obvious, right? But because there was so much manufacturing, a hundred years of manufacturing inertia built up behind it. Commonly, that was not how it was measured. It's a more rigorous measure that really uh, identified a lot of places where time was wasted that would not have been seen because the measure wasn't set up right. Same thing happens in white collar prices. Pro, um, in office environments, professional environments, take a uh, engineering design process for us involved with product development and launch systems, aircraft, other products. What happens is 
when an engineer is working on a design package, how long from when they say they're starting on their designing part number one, from the time that they stop working on that to where they are productively working on part number two, that's the changeover time. Typically runs 30 minutes or more. And there's studies that back that up. Topic for another time. Just want to use that as a quick example. So make sure you've got the right baseline. And if it is not physically measurable, right? Because there's a lot of things, say in the manufacturing world, we can run we can run some kind of measurement and go, oh, you know, it's this long, it's this wide, it weighs this much. How hard is the metal? We can measure the hardness of it, things of that nature that aren't as easy to do, you know, certainly with software, for example. Right. And the whole rise of, of agile software development scrum processes to make it to be able to focus on proper processes, proper metrics. So it's often, if it's not a physical measure, how do you build up the case correctly? There will be some times, particularly in the not-for-profit world, one of my favorite books is uh, Jim Collins, Good to Great and the Social Sector, which was a follow-on monograph to his original Good to Great uh, book based on the research that he and his team did where they talk about having to build up a measurement because, for example, in that book, he talks about the Cleveland Symphony. Excellence in music. How do you measure excellence in music? Right? You do it like a lawyer. I mean, this is Jim Collins' uh, terminology was do it like you're building a case as a lawyer going to court. May not be able to measure it directly, but by gosh, figure out how you put up as much as much evidence as you can. So you say, you know what? If we see these things, then we know that we're achieving that. For example, with movies, how do you rec how do you um, measure excellence in a movie? I was recently involved in a, in a film project. And it's like, well, it can be very subjective, right? Personally, a lot of times when I see the critics not liking a movie, I think, hmm, I probably want to watch that. I'll find it entertaining because I have a different perspective on why I'm watching the movie in the first place. If they really like it, might be something that I find kind of boring and not what I'm looking for in terms of using my recreational time. How do you measure excellence in a movie though? Well, we have the Academy Awards, the Golden Globe. So there's a lot of different awards. So that's one way to look at it. If you're winning awards, that could be an outcome that says, yes, we hit our goal. And I mean that in the context of building your case, building the evidence for the measure of what you've got so that you're staying focused on the actual improvement, the actual customer value improvement that you want to achieve through the implementation of the artificial intelligence tools that you are considering. And again, this isn't specific to AI tools. This is a general business problem that will cut your legs out from underneath you when you go to implement artificial intelligence tools, if it is not done correctly, and it is frequently not done correctly. Third point, Going to, as you know, said his notes. You want to make sure I get you the right information here. I get excited and I I'll miss a point. So here's third thing that's very, very important. And again, touched on this in, in uh, Performer Parish. You need to be flexible on how you're getting your outcome. Never waver on your goal. Right? You're looking for an improvement. It darn well better be tied to improving customer value. Right? If you want to improve your business performance, if you're not improving customer value. You're uh, barking up the wrong tree. That being said, be never, uh, never back off on what your objective is to achieve. Be flexible on how you achieve it and add to it, grow with it over time, right? What is your minimum that you need to have in terms of results in order to say, you know what, 
this was an effective win with implementing this artificial intelligence tool in terms of what we're getting in our business metrics or in the case that we've put together, like we were talking about, if you're, if you're judging a movie, what would you look at for evidence that the movie is, is well done, right? People enjoy watching it. It wins awards, et cetera. So you have to have that defined correctly and whatever that minimum is, then have a maximum and go, look, here's what we're looking for. This is, this is, this is our stretch goal. This is our floor. So that if something happens and you don't hit the hit that stretch goal right away, you've at least hit your floor. You've gotten your return on investment. It's a win for what you're implementing. Then you continue to grow. You continue to tweak. You continue to improve. Now in the artificial intelligence world, that's very important is something that will grow and that you continue to grow in terms of the implementation against the, uh, the sophistication of it, new versions. Like we had chat GPT 3.5 was all the rage in November. Then chat GPT four came out big improvement. Now there's talks about what chat GPT five will be about, will be like when it's released. So be able to accommodate those types of improvements, know that you'll get even more performance down the road. Don't bank on that as part of your ROI calculation. No, that's a huge, huge no-no that will set you up for failure. That uh, you know, lend in tears. Don't ask me how I learned that lesson. Topic for another time. But just make sure that that's set up. Be flexible, again, in the approach. Do not be flexible in the outcome that you need to get. But that requires knowing, you know, you have your ceiling set. They also have what, not ceiling, but what is your stretch goal? What is your floor? You know, what is the minimum you have to hit? And I've led projects where, you know what? It was a failure from a standpoint of we didn't go to what we knew the theoretical maximum was that we could get, but we scored a big win because the, the improvements that were measured, the profits improvements, the productivity improvements, the speed of cash flow through the business improvements were so dramatic that we're going, you know what? This is a win that we, we hit our floor and there were other considerations in accepting that one being you have to make sure that your team buys into what you're doing. And sometimes if you push too hard, you have to know when to take a breath and take just a step back so that you don't lose your team along the way, but you still get a major win. Welcome to leadership. And again, there's more on that. We'll talk about that more. So that's the quick topic for today, you know, on ROI, watch out. That can really, really cause you problems if the metric isn't defined right. Uh, you know, if you don't have a, a, a solid floor, a solid baseline on your metric, if it's not defined correctly and doesn't really reflect what you are going after. And third, you do not, you are too rigid in how you go after that metric as opposed to holding the line and saying, look, we have to get this result but be flexible with your team on how they do it. You know what? You never, never back off on that. How? Let your, let your team unleash their talent. And it's why you hired them. It's why they're on a team, right? So this is Wolf's Watch. We, and again, you know, love to have you be part of, if I can find the banner, there we go. Here's the link to go to. This is also in the show notes or in the description for this episode if yeah, to have you be part of the executive summary that we're doing, this is a 45 minute briefing for CEOs and business owners. That is a quick breakdown of key points from the AI for CEO summit, which is a long running program that goes much, much deeper. This is a quick summary of going here. Here's the, some quick hits on stuff that you can use that you need to know about. 
uh, will hopefully entice you to want more. Of course, I'll be honest about that. There's um, this is a complimentary session. It's only 45 minutes Q and A, limited to 12 people, so we can have an in-depth conversation and also make sure that you're not sitting in the room. You know, the room it's virtual. It's going to be online, so you're not zooming with someone else that's a direct competitor, which put you in a position where you don't really want to talk, or you may get involved in the in the moment and say something. And go, oh crap! I didn't want to say that in front of Bob because really didn't want him to know we're doing that right now. So that'll be a fun and uh, it, it'll be a fun and valuable conversation. Stuff that you can use when you go back to the office after the Zoom session. And again, it'll be a crisp 45 minutes. It's lunchtime. We're going to do several sections uh, sessions because each session is limited to 20 to 12 people for the reasons I just mentioned. <sighs> That's a lot. Hey, thanks for being part of the conversation. I'm Wolf. This is Wolf's Watch. I look forward to seeing you on the trail.